Good morning. My name's Julie Steele, and I'm one of the pastors here, and my husband Barry was supposed to be our storyteller today, but he is homesick. He has had a sore throat, and he's been losing his voice, um, so it's been going in and out, so we decided it was probably best for him to stay home. So I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I don't have a storyteller today. Well, he's been telling people when he does talk that it sounds like he has a frog in his throat. So I thought, oh, I got a great frog story. So here's my frog story for you. It's quick. When I was in high school, Sammamish High School, it was, uh, I think it was my junior year, and I was in biology, and we were dissecting frogs. How many of you had to dissect frogs? Many of you. Okay. At Sammamish High School. Oh my gosh, that's pretty crazy. So anyway, we were dissecting frogs, we meaning my partner in the science class, because I was not going to dissect that frog. I wasn't going to touch it. So all week, each day we came in, and we had to take out a different organ or a different part and talk about what it was and all this kind of stuff. And by the end of the week, all of the, you know, the frog has just everything spewing out of it. Well, um, other part here is that I had this boyfriend who we were on and off all through high school, and we had had an argument. And so I had my girlfriend, I had this great idea that at the end of the week, I would put this frog in his locker so it had to sit the whole weekend, so formaldehyde, you know, the smell of that. So Friday afternoon, because I had his you know, code, got into his locker, got a long string, tied it to the foot of the frog, so it was hanging from the hook that you put your coat on in the locker with all of its stuff hanging out. And so Monday morning, he came and opened his locker, and that's what he found. So anyway, I had a little problem with being vindictive back then, but I am fine now. I've gotten over it, so it's okay if you make me mad. I won't do that to you. That's my frog story. So with that, our scripture this morning, great segue, right? We are in the book of 2 Timothy. We are in chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5 from the English Standard Version. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching their ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will return and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The word of the Lord. So I'm going to get on my slides here. This morning, like I said, we are in 2 Timothy. We are wrapping up our series in 1 and 2 Timothy today. And this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy was his last letter. After a lifetime of service and suffering for Christ, he finds himself in prison again. 
So for Paul, death is looming. And even after he has been through so much and sacrificed so much, when you read the book of Acts and his other letters, this man just went through everything and anything. Even after that, in his letter to Timothy, we do not read any hint of self-pity or regret. I think he felt like it was a life well lived. His parting words to Timothy here are of words of encouragement, and he wants to make sure that Timothy knows what really matters in life. Well, when I thought about parting words, I looked up a few others from other people, so we'll look at those. When asked in front of a firing squad if he had a last request, James Rogers said, a bulletproof vest. Vic Morrow, an American actor, as he lay dying, I should have asked for a stunt double. This was a good one. The president of Alcoa had a 60-year game of tag going with his brother. When Richard was on his deathbed, he called his brother over and whispered, you're it. <laughs> and W.C. Fields, how many of you even know who that is anymore? A few of you. I was brought up on W.C. Fields. The comedian, when, he, when asked why he was reading the Bible on his deathbed, looking for loopholes. <laughs> and last, when I die, I want my last words to be, I left a million dollars under the... other parting words. So we're going to look at Paul's parting words to Timothy now, as I just read a few minutes ago. And as I see these verses, I see that they're really broken down into three different ways here of looking at it. First section in 1 and 2, we see what is Timothy supposed to do? And then in verses 3 to 4, why is he supposed to do it? And in this last verse, how is he supposed to do it? So let's go to verses 1 through 2 here. This is a really strong charge to Timothy. It reads as Paul's last will and testament, and it reminds us of almost a legal statement or a vow that you're taking. It's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. So Paul wants to make sure that when he's gone, Timothy carries on the ministry, but also he wants Timothy to live out his faith personally with conviction. So here we have the answer to the what is Timothy supposed to do. He is to preach the word. And not just preach it, but be ready at a moment's notice to preach it. The translation here for in and out of season means an attitude of prompt attention that may at any moment pass into action. Just like the Boy Scouts model, motto, always be prepared. Right, Spencer? Yeah. Yes. So what do you think of when you hear or see the phrase, preach the word? I want you to get an image in your mind right now. Here's what I think of. I think of someone with an open Bible, pointing a finger and having a condemning voice. That's the image that comes to my mind. Preach the word. I think sometimes that's what we have seen depicted in the media or, uh, you know, in movies and things. Now, I know that's an unfair 
stereotype, but that's where my mind went. Now, I think that this stereotype does exist among people for a reason, though. I think we Christians have had a very narrow interpretation of what the word means. It's more than reciting Bible verses. As I was preparing for today, the other verse that kept coming to my mind was John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Interesting segue, because next week we will start our sermon series on the book of John, so we're just getting a little head start today. So the word has always existed, that's what it says in John 1.1, and so it can't just be limited to a written or spoken word, because that hasn't always existed. The term word is used differently in the Bible, but in the New Testament, there are two Greek words for the translation of word. We have rima, which is a spoken word or sentence, and then we have logos, which is the total message or a full meaning. Now, an example would be that when the angel told Mary that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God, she replied, let it be according to your word. The other Greek word, logos, has a broader, more philosophical meaning. That is what we see in John 1.1, the word logos. It implies more of a total message and is used mostly to reference God's message to humankind. Luke 4.32 says, when Jesus taught the people, they were amazed at his teaching because his words, or his logos, had authority. The people weren't just amazed at the words he used, but it was his total message that they were responding to. So the word in John 1.1, it is referring to Jesus. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. He is the total message. Everything that God wants to communicate to his people, that's who Jesus was. So why should we, why should we care about this? Because if we limit this charge to Timothy from Paul to preach the word as only the spoken or written word, we are not fully preaching the word. Using our words to preach without first giving people a reason to listen is not just ineffective, it will turn people away from you. Our words have to follow our actions, the total message of God. Being sensitive to how and when our message is communicated is also critical. Note what these verses say, that we are to do this with complete patience and teaching, sensitivity to our audience, to who we're talking to. I think if Mother Teresa had preached the word, who is Jesus, as she did, before she helped people she was with, they would just be hearing the words, but they wouldn't get the word. She would have no credibility. Unfortunately, we Christians have dug a hole for ourselves as far as being heard. 
We have a reputation for preaching the spoken word without the life that reflects Jesus to back it up. I can't tell you how many people share with me that they think Christians are hypocrites. Now, that's an unfair stereotype, too. I, I completely agree with that. However, when they tell me their experience of why they think a Christian is a hypocrite, I tend to agree with them. They had that experience. The spoken word is much easier for us to preach, but the whole message of God, a living that lifestyle, not so much. Now, I've shared with some of you before that I'm in a book club. I joined it when we moved to Snoqualmie because I wanted to get to connected with people who weren't church people and who probably thought very differently than me. And I worked really hard at not disclosing my vocation. I didn't want to be put in that box labeled weird Christians before I had an opportunity to confirm their thoughts. I knew that because of the stereotypes that have been formed, which are based on truth somewhat, I wanted to get to know these ladies and I wanted them to get to know me so that when the time came up and they did find out what I did, they wouldn't put me in that category. Well, the subject did come up after a few years. I'm really good at redirecting conversation. And the ladies were really surprised and thought it was kind of cool that I was a Christian pastor. I didn't fit their image and that image of what that person should be like. And so all of a sudden, it was like, oh, well, this is different. When discussing certain opinions and controversial subjects, I now was asked pointedly, what did I think about that? Because they wanted my faith perspective, which was different than theirs. My thoughts all of a sudden became relevant because I was relevant. I avoided being put in that weird Christian box because I showed who I was before I said what I was. Now, one of the books that we read, I bet many of you have read this too, The Last Lecture. Have, you, have any of you read this book, The Last Lecture? Ooh, only a few. I'm going to challenge you to read this book. Um, this, I don't know if you've heard of The Last Lecture, but it's something that professors are asked to give as, uh, as a last lecture. Like, if you were going to give your last words, what would that be? Randy Posh, who is a um, professor at Carnegie Mellon, gave his last lecture, but it really was his last lecture because he had a terminal illness. And this book, it's pretty small, but it's, it's a wonderful book to read. And that brought up a lot of great discussion in our book club. We talked about what our last words would be, what we would want to impart to people when we left this earth, if we had a chance. I learned a lot about these women, and they learned a lot about me and our perspectives. I'm not there to convert them. I'm there to show them who God is and who God isn't. And I have some really interesting ladies in this group with different perspectives. Life examples, how we suffer, how we make decisions, how we live life, followed by the spoken word reveal the total message of God. Jesus came because God wanted us to see 
who he was in the flesh, in action. Jesus didn't just speak, right? But he cared for people. He invested in people's lives. He touched the untouchable, he fed the hungry, and he validated the marginalized. He earned the right to be heard. Now, he also quoted scripture and used the Old Testament in his teaching. So I'm not saying that there isn't a place for using the Bible to convey God's message. It is God's inspired word to us. That is true. I'm saying that they both have a place, that they work together. People were listening to Jesus because of what they saw him do, and then they could hear what he was saying. The question is, do we do the same? Do we lead a life that causes people to want to hear about our faith, to hear about why we think the way we think and believe what we believe? Not only do we preach God's message, but we are to be ready at all times to preach it, when it's convenient and when it's not. Serving is preaching the word. Did you know that? Teaching children and youth, that's preaching the word. Greeting people on Sunday morning, that's preaching the word. Helping with our care team, that's preaching the word. Yesterday, we had a memorial service here, and we had a wonderful team of ladies setting up, serving, and cleaning up. And I can tell you that they were preaching the word to this family who needed them to be there. We live, how we live our lives is how we preach the word. Now we move on to why we're supposed to do this. And Paul is telling Timothy the reason why. It's because the time will come when the message of who God is will become unappealing and even offensive. People will turn away from sound or healthy doctrine. The truth will become somebody else's truth. I think we've all had the experience of seeing a Christian in our family or friend walk away from their faith. I know I have. Life gets hard. It gets very confusing. And so that must mean that God isn't who we thought he was, which is probably true. It's funny how when God doesn't behave the way we want, either he doesn't answer our prayers or he doesn't answer them in the way we want him to, he must not be a good God or he doesn't exist at all. And so we search for another God, one that makes sense to us. Or we go to our science lab and we take parts of all kinds of gods and we mix them together and make one that works for us, the one who will tell us what we want to hear. Sound or healthy doctrine many times is what we don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that I have to love my enemies. I don't want to hear that I have to forgive that person again. I want life to be fair and easy because I'm a Christian. But that's false doctrine. Living with a view of eternity 
is healthy doctrine. Now, Paul's parting words are to preach the word so that people don't go looking for what suits them. If they have a better understanding, though, of the whole message of God, they're going to know that eternal life is what our goal should be. Circumstances and feelings won't cause them to look elsewhere and wander off into myths. It happened in Paul's day, and it's happening in ours. And last, Paul tells Timothy how to preach the word. Stay focused. Things are going to get tough, but do the work. In Galatians, Paul says, let us not lose heart of doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, we're all evangelists for something. Pastor Peter loves to say that, and it's so true. A real evangelist is someone who's all in with whatever they're promoting. They're using their product, and they want you to use their product. And if you don't, you're totally missing out. That's an evangelist. So the thing is, an evangelist of a product or a person or a thing they're doing, they're, they're putting into action what they're saying, right? Their lifestyle and their words match. But do ours? Or do we compartmentalize our Christianity and who Christ is? And we're, we're a Christian, but we're not all in. And we're not letting other people know what effect this has on our life. Yesterday, we had a memorial service here, as I mentioned before, for Mary Hall. Mary, she was a real evangelist because she led a life that showed you who Jesus is. Now, she used scripture and words, but you saw it in Mary. You didn't just hear her words. Her actions backed up her words. Everyone that Mary talked to felt special and valued. She would sit back here on Sunday mornings, and when she would walk out, she had the biggest smile on her face, and she just exuded energy and love. She preached the whole message of the gospel. Her life was focused on serving and loving people. She was fun and adventurous. I learned that she flew small planes and drove dump trucks. Not a boring Christian at all. Nobody would put her in that box. People were drawn to hear her because she reflected Jesus. Now, here's some application points for us. Is there consistency in your spoken word and the message that your daily life sends? When was the last time someone asked you about your faith? because they saw something in you that they wanted. And here's my charge to you. Don't be that weird Christian. Engage the culture. Don't be afraid of it. Jesus' message was heard because he went to the people. He did not separate himself from them. I can tell you in my book club, there are several women that I would naturally just kind of do this with because some of the things that come out of their mouths or some of their thoughts, but uh-uh, 
I need to be there. I need to be a credible person who they want to talk to, and they respect my opinion as much as I respect theirs. So what would your parting words be? Do as I say, not as I do? Well, let's look at Jesus' parting words to end here. In the book of Acts, Jesus is returning to heaven, and he says to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are God's plan for getting the message out now. I know. Us? What was he thinking? But that's our ministry, showing others what it says in John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. This scripture is the word of God. If we want others to know this, we have to be the ones to show it to them so they will hear it. I'm afraid that some Christians have spent so much time on the condemning part that we have forgotten the saving part. But this is God's message to humankind. He came to save it, not condemn it. Paul's parting words for Timothy, they're for us too. It's up to each of us who call ourselves a Christian to preach the whole message of the gospel using actions and words to make sure that our doctrine is sound and to not let anything get in the way of us fulfilling our ministry. That is the work that God is calling us to do. That is the work of an evangelist. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your written word to us, for your revelation to us in Jesus Christ. We have both. And I pray that each of us today would be more aware when we are using too much of the spoken word and not enough of the whole message of God by how we live our life. Lord, may your Holy Spirit quicken us to that, make us aware of that, and give us the power through your Holy Spirit to be Jesus to those around us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.